Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, this is episode 224. Woo! It is our second episode of June, which means it is our second episode of Pride Month. Woo! Yeah. Uh, Fittingly, you're wearing a rainbow. I am. I'm wearing a tie-dye shirt today. It's actually, um, I wear this shirt a lot. Uh Yeah, you do. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite t-shirts shout out morris costumes <laughs> yeah that's where i bought this there were there were so many of them i could have gotten any size i should have gotten more than one if you're if you're from north carolina charlotte north carolina in particular uh you're in the know on morris costumes yeah it's an uh, institution it's yeah. not going anywhere uh so Pride Month, of course is an entire celebration if you didn't catch last week's episode uh, Pride is an entire celebration of the LGBTQ plus spectrum, uh, or, you know, the queer community also is another acceptable shorthand. Uh, if you didn't know, as a random aside, queer has sort of been like a reclaimed word, uh, that really started its reclamation process through, um, just as a fun fact, I guess, uh, academia partially as well. Okay. It started to become under, like, the umbrella of, like, queer studies and that sort of thing. And so, like, there was, like, a partial movement toward the reclamation of the word queer. Copy, copy. Through, like, a a movement in in different groups, one of them being academia. Copy, okay. I wasn't thinking of, like, higher education. I was definitely thinking of, like, elementary school. And I was like, I think that they're still just using it as a bad thing then. (laughs) So I was, I was, I was not. (laughs) No, like graduate studies. Copy, 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 copy. Okay. Um, and so Pride Month, of course, is a, is a time to celebrate and also to, uh, have remembrance you know, for the struggles of the LGBTQ plus community. And so all month long, we're going to be doing all kinds of historical dives and interesting movies. Last week we did what's considered the first film about an openly gay character. It was a 1919 film. Yeah, really progressive. Yeah, really, really wildly progressive for 1919. Yeah, I, I, was, just... I was shocked, honestly. Yeah, um, if you haven't heard that episode i definitely recommend it the movie was called different from the others um if you want to go back and watch the movie first and then go and listen to the episode i mean it's only 50 minutes long so yeah uh, because it's an incomplete film and it's also interesting there are lots of this is i guess something that we didn't really talk about there are a lot of incomplete films uh from once upon a time there are plenty of movies that have only gotten partially made uh if i'm not mistaken netflix has an orson wells movie that they recently finished before they stopped doing these kinds of things i guess Um, in the the, finished in the sense that they like put modern actors in finished the script or they used what was available to kind of wrap up the narrative Oh, okay. Copy, copy. <laughs> as best as they could. Amazing, amazing. I was I was about to be like, I don't know if I'd call it Orson's anymore if Netflix put their grubby hot pans on it. No, and so uh, there's, a, there's a whole interesting history, though, of, like, all kinds of only partially finished movies, uh, whether it be script form or it was filmed. A great example is, like, uh, Steven Spielberg's AI. Mm-hmm. 
was supposed to be a Kubrick film. And he had written most of the script uh, and had planned out a lot of the movie and then died. Oh. And so there's, there's some who, of course, claim that the ending is Spielberg's and the rest is Kubrick's. That's probably not exactly 100% true, but it is true that Spielberg didn't have an ending when he picked up the movie. Copy. Interesting. So there's an interesting history of incomplete films, and this is one of those now. Uh, It's incomplete for different reasons. You can learn about that in the previous episode. Yeah, go Um, back. Listen to it, but stay here. Listen to this, too. Yeah, but, you know, before I run you off from this episode, we've got an... an I won't say exciting... Um, (laughs) We've got an educational... We have a really interesting, informative, um, and... uh, Emotional. and and relevant episode, you know, because some of the lessons from the content of this episode, historically speaking, have been relevant to us recently. Oh, I mean, I guess, yeah, in a grander sense. Yeah. And so, uh, today's episode is, last episode was the first film about an openly gay character. Today we're doing a film about, or in relation to, the HIV-AIDS epidemic in America. And, and, you know, the sort of global pandemic that became endemic, right? We still have the HIV-AIDS disease in, in, in the world. Yes, but this is like the early days. Yes. Uh, and so we decided to go back and look at the early days and it was sort of an interesting discussion, actually, because the question for a little bit was, do we do something from closer to that time period, mm-hmm. which might not have been a, uh, you know, LGBT or somewhere on the spectrum director, writer, or cast... Or do we go and do something more recently? And that was kind of some of the debate mm-hmm. of, of what we wanted to do movie-wise. Um, and ultimately, since it was Pride Month, we decided that we wanted to do something that had as prideful, I guess... Uh, A cast and, and crew and, and encompassing as we ideas we could. Yes. And so we ended up going with the TV adaptation of The Normal Heart, which was on HBO back in 2014 so it's been quite some time i I really hadn't realized now that i said that date out loud i guess how long it's been since this came out i mean yes in that in that regard correct but like you just said you know thinking about movies that like came out in the in the early 80s or the you know the The 90s 90s, um talking about aids obviously is going to be it's too soon you know it's a shorter window we've got more information now than we had then more access to to information and and uh and a separation from the incident enough even though it's still happening but like the the dust has has settled you know more more so, more so than when you're in the heat of not there knowing isn't what the, it is yeah the urgency of the crisis of of uncertainty Yes, exactly. Because we've we've got we've got not a cure, but we've got all lo- sorts of things that can yes, that, stem it, yes. block it. Um, because of course, uh, HIV/AIDS is very complicated, and I'm not going to get into any of the medical stuff of it. But essentially, it's 
it's a very complicated initial infection of HIV that ends up becoming AIDS is kind of the, the sort of process by which it unfolds. HIV is the initial thing that you need to block to stem the body from getting AIDS. Copy. Okay. Just in case anyone didn't know that. And so one of the things that actually helped, like, save a lot of lives was a treatment that was developed even as back as the early aughties that if you if you knew that you were exposed within, like, a certain, like, 24-48 hour window, you could take it and it could potentially block the body from converting it into uh, an AIDS infection. Most interesting. Fun facts for you. Uh, and so it's a very it's a very heavy topic. It's a very interesting topic, but we thought that this would be a really good movie to do it with because it's also based on a play written by a gay activist who was alive during this time. And actually, I learned today that the Normal Heart was written in and and first produced in the heat of the pan of of the AIDS epidemic. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it wasn't initially written with a lot of hindsight. He really wrote it while it was very hot for him. Well, I think that that, um, I think that that reads, I think that that reads a lot, honestly. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so before we get too far into it, uh, I did, I guess, want to ask two questions. I always want to relate it to film in some kind of way. Of course. Of the film's and TV shows that are available and of your own sort of access to information growing up. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the car ride. Um, What is your familiarity from a filmic background or even just from a general information background with the HIV AIDS epidemic and that sort of thing? You know, before we watched this, what was something that you had seen in movies, TV, that kind of thing? Okay, um, well, I guess in that regard, then... um... Rent. Oh, yeah, your big one, yeah. Yeah, um, I I loved that musical. I thought that that musical was, uh, I mean, I still do. I think it's fantastic. I think that it's really heartfelt, and it's got a lot of kicking music, but it also has, like, some really interesting storylines. And honestly, for, for me, that was pr- probably one of the the biggest things for for a good for a good number of years that I, I watched regularly that had, um, you know, any any queer identities represented on, Very on screen. Openly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though I don't know how many of the the cast, how much of the cast is actually different times, different things. But yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't really, you know, that's neither here nor there at this point. Um, we I, do I, with I still what we have. Yeah, and I still think that they do um, a phenomenal job of representing these um, these these real people. You know, these are real people. Well, and I think that. Um... Not to derail your thoughts too much, but I think that especially based on some of the research that I did, Rent does a good job of kind of like showing how quickly it could impact anyone and everyone. Yeah. By using it affecting this this group of characters. And it's also a great um, retelling. It's It's kind of like the... It's kind of like West Side Story in the sense where it's like, it's definitely Romeo and Juliet. This is definitely La Bivoem. Um, La Boheme, there we go. Um, that is a, that is an opera. Yeah. Um, about the bubonic plague. Yeah, And yeah, so yeah. this is his bubonic plague. This is, this is the exactly. nation's, you know, at the time, this was, this is a, it was a bubonic plague. It's like the one that we're living in currently. Um. No, and, and so 
yeah, to your point, he is really highlighting how it's how it's affecting everyone, how it's also starting and hitting the most vulnerable people first as well. Yes, yes. Um, because, like, with the, the cast, most of the cast, I mean, I would say probably a good half of the cast is, um, has, has the virus in some degree. Yeah. Um, and I, and the, the show is set in, I think it's set in the early 90s, which is when it came out. It came out in like 96, I believe. So I think that it's probably set sometime in the, in the early 90s because. It's also that kind of grunge, you know, post-punk Yeah, and I mean, that was like when he was writing it. You know, it's set in the time truly when you're writing the piece, not necessarily. Kind of like in the heights. Exactly. Not necessarily when it comes out. Um. But yeah, that was my that was my big thing. Introductory that, piece. Yeah, to to um in, in film. Yeah. Mostly. And I am I am speaking directly about the, the movie that came out in like two thousand and three or something. Um, but I, I also I loved again, it was you know, looking at Rosario Dawson on screen, I was like, That's me. I wanna I wanna be Rosario Dawson, I wanna be Mimi in this and and my obsession with musical theater, you know, just facilitated this whole whole persona <laughs> persona for me. Um but but um my first, I guess, just as a as a child, understanding of of AIDS was, I I went to a school that was named after Arthur Ashe, and Arthur Ashe is a if you don't know this, Arthur Ashe is a um, a famous black oh African American um tennis player of like, God, like the nineties, eighties, you know, um, and he. Honestly, I don't really know that much about his tennis career, but the thing that that cemented his fame, I think, for a lot of people was the fact that he contracted uh, HIV AIDS from a, a blood transfusion. And it kind of, I think, for, for the nation and at the time, you know, it was just a singular thing. It was just this gay disease. And, like, to have people catch it in, in any way, shape, and form that, that didn't identify as that was, like, a really eye-opening thing for, for the nation. And, uh, you know, that was my elementary school. <laughs> that was the, the history behind the, the person whose namesake I was going to. And, it, and I, I, I didn't, I guess, you know, understand at the time what it was. I knew that it was, it was an illness. It was sickness. But, you know, you don't, they don't tell you these things. Um, I, I knew that it was a blood disease of some kind. And that was my understanding of it and up until, um, you know, later in life with more exposure and, you know education and whatnot (laughs) no i think that those are all honestly uh tremendous answers um i think a lot of my sort of introduction to it one of course my father was from the pharmaceutical sales world yes and so from him especially being in pharmaceutical sales in the 90s, you know, when I was born and growing up when this was a hot-button issue, and Bill Clinton made in his presidency a promise in 10 years for a vaccine. And so, like, this was a big deal when we were young, young. And Mm -hmm. so I think that I probably just had some exposure to it through him because that would have been really relevant to his entire world. Well, yeah. And, and, and knowing, and knowing your father, you know, 
he was keeping up with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so then on top of that, I think I probably had, like, medical dramas on TV. Mm, you know, mm, ER or something like that probably had some sort of introductory I mean, thing. It was, it was, <laughs> it was one of those those topics that they were like, "Well, last ditch effort, we've gone through all of these random other things." Kind of like you know, like Degrassi when they were like, "I guess some kid's gonna get hit by a bus or something." I don't know at this point. Um, it was it was like one of those things that they would just be like, and then it's AIDS. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then growing up, of course, I saw Rent, but Rent for me hit at that, that awkward time of, of adolescent angst where, uh. <laughs> where musicals didn't always hit me right. And even though I did like begrudgingly secretly to myself like Rent more than, than I think I probably let on at the time, um, I also didn't fully internalize it either. And... The, the movie that ended up probably being the first movie that really had HIV and AIDS, like, full front and center in the topic that really sticks with me mentally whenever this topic sort of comes up uh, is, is Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. And see, I've never seen that movie. And... I ended up seeing it at that time where I was really expanding a lot of, of what I was watching and what I had seen and, and my understanding of actors that I had grown up watching because I had grown up with Denzel and, and Tom Hanks, but I was hitting that age of, you know, really expanding to stuff that I hadn't grown up with. And my mom was like, you should watch Philadelphia. Amazing. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And so we ended up watching Philadelphia and like, it's heartbreaking. It's terribly sad. It's about um, an attorney, Tom Hanks, who's at like the, the top of his career and he's supposed to be making partner and he ends up getting diagnosed and he completely gets undercut and he loses his job and he ends up going to an attorney. He can't find anyone who will take his case except for this black attorney who's a little bit of... Um, he doesn't necessarily have the greatest reputation. Of course. Um, but he's, he's like one of his last ditch efforts in trying to go and get this wrongful termination discrimination lawsuit mm -hmm. against his employer. And he ends up taking the case. And so along the way he confronts his own discrimination, you know, against this issue. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hanks, you know, seeks what's right even in the face of, like, his own mortality. And it's a very, very gripping and touching legal drama that also puts this this topic forward. And it was one that I considered doing, actually, for this episode. Was that your in-the-past one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I knew that we... I remember us having, like, a list. Yeah, this and... was one of them that had been on there. <laughs> Uh, and it, it really stuck with me. It's a movie that I think about from time to time. Mm -hmm. uh, I would really love to, to have it. I think they did a 4K of it recently. Oh. And it's a great movie. Really good stuff. Incredible Tom Hanks performance. I think they both got nominated for it. But neither one? Uh, no, I don't think they did. Maybe Tom. Maybe he won a Golden Globe. I mean... It's a crime when, when good acting doesn't go recognized. Well, it was still the 90s. 
we to the eighties, and so and there, there still could have been of... the discrimination at play. Oh well. Um, and so, voila. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh... <laughs> and just like that. Uh, but I guess before we discuss too much of the movie, uh, we are, of course, like I said, talking about Normal Heart, but I did want to, because this movie is right in the thick of the history, and in case you didn't know too much of the history, I knew some of it, but not a lot of it, here's a very brief overview of what ends up being the history of a disease that now spans the world and is still with us today. And has been with us for now officially 41 years exactly. Really? I I guesstimated 40 in the car because I was like, oh, it's the 80s, you know. But, oh gosh, I hadn't thought about it being like that early on in the 80s. Yeah, it's 41 years exactly. Mmm, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there is some, of course, sensitive content. I don't get really graphic into anything, but if you find this kind of just thing in general upsetting which is understandable you can um, go ahead and skip yeah. ahead to where the review is i always put time codes down below if you didn't know that um and so if you don't want to hear this you can skip ahead to when we're just talking about the movie about it honestly this isn't going to be a good episode for you in general if this is not really your your bag go back uh, to the last one it's <laughs> not about aids <laughs> so like just in general fair warning if this is a topic that really bums you out, it's we're going to do our best with it. We're going to be respectful. But, I mean, it is also still just an inescapably upsetting topic. Y- yes, yes. I mean, it's it's like talking about the Holocaust. Like, yeah. you can't do it with, like, a song and a dance. No. Um, I mean, you could, but people would get mad at you. And so we'll we'll always, of course, do our best to not, like, be dour, but it's not going to be a pony show. Here we go. Um, so, before we get too deep into the, the you know, sort of history, the sort of big, broad history that I have, um, we should probably establish some sort of general understanding of the condition of HIV-AIDS. Uh, so, one way to think of it is as, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of like a lock and a key, right? One begets the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get HIV as an infection, which then converts itself over into AIDS. Okay. So HIV stands for hum- human immunodeficiency virus. Mm-hmm. So you go and you are exposed either through blood or other bodily fluids, like semen or something like that, uh, to HIV. It enters into the body, and once the virus is inside of the body, it starts to target what are called CD4 cells. And CD4 cells are a part of the immune response in the body. This is very broad. (laughs) I'm not a PhD. This is, you know, a very broad sense. Ah, Make it seem like every PhD knows this. So uh, CD4 cells are a part of the immune response system in the body, and what happens is... It's a, uh, you know, a target, infiltrate, kill, and replicate system. So HIV goes into a CD4 cell, replicates itself, kills the cell, spreads to more CD4 cells. Okay. And it does this systematically, 
and the virus eventually then turns into acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. It becomes a chronic condition whereby your immuno, you know, your immunity system is so compromised, your immune system is so compromised at this point that now your body is no longer really able to fight infections, fight diseases, and eventually just it can't support fighting off anything. Copy. And that's what starts to then turn into things like lesions, uh, seizures, and that's what, uh, uh, I think it's Carposi syndrome, uh, or, or uh, sarcomas are, these, these sort of lesions that you start to get. And those are all results of your body's entire immune system just being completely compromised. Okay, um, I guess question. Yeah. Um, can you have HIV that never turns into AIDS? Because I guess my my question is like how how can you know in the in the in the show we've got people who have it and people who don't in a relationship together you know I guess I that's my my question is I'm assuming it's it's it affects people more than some people more than others yeah and it's it's probably similar um, you know carrier spreader you know kind of things that happen with viruses i'm not actually 100 percent certain on that particular aspect of it okay i thought um, i'd ask typically though an hiv infection does mean or it used to mean that you would get aids like it was almost you know not a hundred percent i'm sure but like it was a very certain thing and it's due to modern medications that we've used for the last few years and better treatments now that you can stop an HIV infection and it can never become the chronic condition. Okay. And so that's kind of a very overview on what this this thing is. And, you know, it was spreading, you know, like I said, through through bodily fluids like semen, and it's that's why it's typically associated with sex, right? And as an STD... But it can also come through, as we'll discuss in some of the history, blood transfusions. It also was very commonly spread through needle sharing of, as we'll also discuss, intravenous drug users, because you go, you inject it into your bloodstream directly. And then if you don't clean and sterilize the needle because you are a homeless drug user or something like that, you then pass it along to someone else. And so unclean needles are another key spreader of this kind of thing. Copy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, a very broad definition of, of what the disease itself is before we get too deep into the history. Delightful. I never, I never knew what HIV stood for. Mm-hmm. I knew what AIDS stood for, but I had no idea what, like, the letters of HIV stood for until this moment. So thank you. And also to uh, clarify a little bit of a, another thing, and you're welcome... And autoimmune deficiency and AIDS are not similar things. AIDS is the body has no attack mechanisms. Certain autoimmune deficiencies are the body has a hard time differentiating between good and bad in the body. So then it just attacks everything where AIDS has no strength to attack anything. Mm -hmm. And you are more susceptible. To everything. Copy. Okay. The official sort of first reported incident 
where we begin the timeline of what we consider the HIV AIDS epidemic or pandemic, endemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, is June 5th, 1981. So uh, it officially turned 41 this year, just a few days ago. Yeah, honestly, we did this with perfect timing by complete accident. Yeah. Um, By the time that this episode comes out, it will have officially been five days ago. Yeah. And so um, it's also, I think, a little bit ironic that it turned 40 in the middle of COVID. Oh, well, yeah. There is a certain amount of irony also present in that. It's okay. We're the only ones who know that. (laughs) Um, So June 30th. 1981, this is, I'm going to sort of break down a little bit of a quick timeline of events as fast as I can. Uh, So June uh, 30th, 1981, the CDC creates a task force and they're currently looking into it really as a cancer and they're looking at this official thing called Kaposi's sarcoma and opportunistic infection is how this task force is enabling it or or labeling it. And as a lot of early reports discuss, they were talking about it as a cancer Mm -hmm. was sort of the framework of the discussion around the the early days of, of the infection. By July 3rd of that year, 26 men have been diagnosed with this cancer over a 30-month window, so almost one a month for 30 months, wow. have been diagnosed. And during a 24-month period, eight men have died. Uh, and they are ages 26 to 51. Wow. Uh, the term acquired immune deficiency syndrome is finally officially used September 4th of 1982. Okay. So it goes all the way from June 5th to September 24th, 82. It's just being a cancer? Yeah, and then not necessarily having an official term for what this final sort of infection is. And so then finally by 82, they come up with this official diagnosis of AIDS. Copy. Um, 83, the CDC goes and creates the National AIDS Hotline. And in March, they say that most of the AIDS cases have been found in uh, gay men, intravenous drug users, the Haitian community, and hemophiliacs. Fascinating. I, I didn't know that. Hemophilia, if you didn't know, and why people would be susceptible to HIV with it, is an inability to clot. Yes. And so if you didn't know that, it's essentially your body can't go and create a clot and create a scab. And so you end up bleeding for an extended period of time. And so with diseases like HIV AIDS, which are transmitted through body bodily fluids having open regular wounds is a little bit of a problem for exposure i i i I don't see what you're talking about so uh and it's not until september 9th 1983 so now we're almost a full year later from the official term that they confirm that it's not transmitted via casual contact um with food water air or surfaces 
Copy. So it takes them a full year after they name it to then go, by the way, like you, it's official. You won't get it just touching something with it. That seems like a really long time. I feel like, you know, if we compare this to, to COVID for a second, like, by after the first month, we were like, guys... Well, that's we... kind of also the difference in the technology, just manpower. I mean, that yeah, have, that's, that's you know. very fair. We can literally work, and that's also why COVID was such a miracle. You know, our treatments and our responses to it were so miraculous. No, And we'll you're... talk about that with some of this timeline. That's fascinating. Yes. And we'll we'll also circle that back around to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um so 83 you have a guy named Jay Levy who's with a group called um the Lab for Tumor and AIDS Virus Research uh and he works or he's worked with the Lab for Tumor uh Lab for Tumor research and then there's a group the AIDS Virus Research Group and they discovered that HIV is the underlying cause of the AIDS diagnosis so hiv was something that was a a thing that was around beforehand uh yes kind of like sars yes copy uh and so um people are taking this seriously now at this sort of point they're shutting down all sorts of things things that they think might potentially be places where it gets transmitted and so actually randomly just as a little pocket fun fact that i thought was funny um, in 1984, San Francisco and New York City shut down all bathhouses. They have bathhouses? They used to. Oh, and they never opened them back up? I don't think so. I mean, have I... Have you ever heard of one? No. Well, then. Amazing. And it's probably because of this health ordinance. I didn't, I didn't know that the states had, like, bathhouses. Yeah, once upon a time. Um, uh... If I'm not mistaken, there's, like, reference to a bathhouse in one of the Godfather movies, but I could be wrong about that. Um, so then it's also during this time that you finally get an instance um, with a young man named Ryan White, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who ends up getting, and he's actually the first person to get HIV-AIDS, this is around 84, 85, via blood transfusion. Oh, okay, well, here we go. And so finally in 85, they create the first test uh, to, or not in 85, excuse me. Um, but a few years after that, they go and they finally create like one of the first tests to um, go and uh, run a program to test like blood that's in storage. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the FDA. Um by 86, there are now 38,000 cases globally in 85 countries. So from 1985, it's gone from, or from 1981, it's gone from 26 people to now 38,000 people in, in five years. Wow. Um, and it's gone from in the U.S. to 85 countries. And now five years into his presidency, Ronald Reagan specifies AIDS by name for the first time. Five years into his presidency with AIDS existing, I should specify. He finally says AIDS by name. You know, um, I won't, I won't give our, our previous president a lot of stuff, but 
At least he stopped pretending it didn't exist within the faster, first year. Yeah, faster than Ronald Reagan did with AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That's, that's, that's very upsetting. Uh, October 22nd, 1986, the Surgeon General calls for more education and awareness. His name was Everett Koop. Uh, by 87, they finally create the first drug that goes for FDA, that goes through FDA approval to help combat, um, the HIV infection, and it is called AZT. Uh, in 87, AIDS is also labeled, however, a dangerous contagious disease and is included as part of immigrant exclusion criteria. <sighs> wow. Mm-hmm. So, 1988, Diane Wara uh, uses AZT in pregnant mothers in their second trimester, and she proves that she can help drop mother-to-infant transmission from 26% to 8%. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also in that year, an entire pamphlet is sent out to every home in America called Understanding AIDS. Wow. Yep. Uh, Every home in America. 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act is, is enacted, and that also includes people with HIV AIDS. And by the way, all this time, essentially what's happening in the background of all of this is you also have a lot of community activism pushing for all of these movements, especially stemming from the city of San Francisco, which was a hotbed for the virus from the beginning, and was also a hotbed for activism for a lot of what ended up being progress in the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Uh, and you also had them doing things like creating community care centers, community uh, clinic trials, and community-first sort of methods of government treatment. Fascinating. Um, and it's all through the work of LGBTQ activists that a lot of really positive movement happened throughout this entire thing. It just makes me think of the the Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Mm-hmm. Act up. Yep. Larry Kramer, the writer of The Normal Heart. What? He was involved with Act Up. Ah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Then in 1990, Ryan White gets the Ryan White Comprehensive AIDS Resource Emergency enacted right before he dies from his AIDS diagnosis. Uh, and it becomes the largest resource available to people with HIV AIDS in America. Oh my gosh. Uh, 1991, uh, you get conclusive proof, actually, that men pass it to women in most heterosexual relationships over a conclusive 10-year study of AIDS. Well, wouldn't you know it? Mm -hmm. uh, also, that is when Magic Johnson comes out publicly that he is diagnosed with AIDS. Oh, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know when he did that. Mm -hmm. 1992, San Francisco's number one cause of death for men 25 to 44 is AIDS. Oof. And it peaks at 2,332 uh, that year. That year? Mm -hmm. That's too many people. That is also when Arthur Ashe reveals his diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. Uh, 1994, it becomes the leading cause of death for all Americans 25 to 44. Wow. 
it isn't until 1997 that there is considered to be a substantial decline in cases, and that is due to antiretroviral medications, which is some of what we were talking about. That's what saved one of the nurses. You remember the, the Laramie Project? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and that play? Mm-hmm. One of the nurses there was exposed due to the wounds that was on, or the wounds that were on the young man. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up being exposed, and the thing that ended up keeping her from contracting AIDS were medications at the time. That's awesome. So that's part of her whole story in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, 2000, AIDS is declared a security threat. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that in 1985, Reagan admits that AIDS exists, and then... In 2000. 15 years later, now it's a threat. Yes. What the hell? Yeah. Oh my god, we drag our feet. By 2002, it's the leading cause of death worldwide for people 15 to 59. Oh, my God. Uh, The travel ban on HIV-AIDS-positive immigrants is not lifted until 2010. No. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is just... This is the most depressing history 2016, the CDC declares that, quote, persistent disparities cause continued disproportionate impact of AIDS on the African-American community and other minority communities. It's because they don't have any money. (laughs) It's because most impoverished areas of our nation are also linked to African-American and people of color societies. But that's also partially because that also leads us back to the intravenous drug user. Yeah. And also the reason that back in the 80s they said one of the largest groups was the Haitian community. Yes. Mm. We're leading back to the same... <laughs> uh, We're leading back to the same points. So, of, of course it's these communities. You've pushed them into impoverished areas. So, also, finally in 2016, San Francisco hits an all-time new low of new cases. And in 2016, they only had 223 new cases. Well, that's good. Um, approximately from, I guess, the start of, from, from June... 1981. 81 until now. Approximately 79.3 million people have received an AIDS diagnosis. HIV AIDS diagnosis. Wow. Um, and that's... That's an average number based on estimates that go as high as the 100,000 mark. Okay, wow. Or 100 million mark, excuse me. Uh, and then you also have uh, 36.3 as an average that have died. So about a half. Um, and about 37 million people are estimated to be living with AIDS as of 2020. Uh, And actually, two-thirds of the HIV-positive population is currently living in Africa with estimates of about one in every 25 African. Oh, my gosh. I thought the Book of Mormon was only joking. No. I mean, I was hoping that they were joking. I I figured. No. Um, So that is a little bit of an overview on 
um, HIV and AIDS. The reason that I mentioned that it was ironic that it was back again, and also Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci was working with the CDC and uh, was largely considered to be one of the people, you know, in favor of pushing for more education and more awareness around HIV and AIDS and talked regularly during COVID about the lessons that he learned during the AIDS pandemic being relevant once again in his career. Well, I mean, when you've studied one disease, truly, you know, decimate an entire population and, you know, affect an entire community up until this point, you can really study the way that that thing spreads and the the impact of that and you know hopefully come out better in the end the next time something whatever it is comes and 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 starts you know a new rabbit hole a new a new disease to 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 break down and figure out what's going on with like covid yeah um and so that's a little bit of a of a very big overview on on the HIV AIDS epidemic, literally an, an endemic, just as like a full concept, just a crash course in some of the big points in the history of something that we're still dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a massive problem. Yes. Um, we have made massive breakthroughs. Yes. Huge, enormous breakthroughs. We make more and more every year. Eventually, there is the chance that we could destroy it. It is within the realm of possibility. We got rid of polio, so, you know, it is possible to eradicate a disease. We just, you know, we're we're just not there yet. No, but if you also look at that 40-year window, even though, you know, some of it has been very slow, also in in the sense of it starting in the 80s to now, it has moved very quickly. And then that also goes back to the discussion that we had about COVID, you Mm -hmm. know, and how quickly some of that has moved the ability that we have to genetically manipulate, genetically sequence, to run computational Mm -hmm. variables and run models and do all kinds of things has really fast-tracked so much of our science. And we have also, because of AIDS research and cancer research and so many other disease researches, just gained an overall better understanding of the core concept of how viruses work and attack the body and how the body breaks down in response to them and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Bleak and fascinating. No, yeah, it's kind of a, the, a, a little dark par- pocket of science that also has, like, very optimistic results. Yes, that's You know, fair. it's a very results-focused you know that that should be your driving force you can't go back and fix the past you should be looking at trying to prevent the future that is that is a very that's very fair um so our our movie of course is the normal heart uh which is about this whole crisis it was written by larry kramer who was born june 25th wow just hitting a lot of june you know, it's, it's a popular, episode. it's a popular month this month. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, and uh, he is, of course, a, he's a writer. He is a playwright. He is also an activist. Um, and he is no longer with us. He was born June 25th, 1935. 
Uh, so back in 85, he was 50. Yes. So when he, when he first wrote The Normal Heart, he was 50. Uh, he died actually just two years ago, back May 27th, 2020. Um, one of the things that he is known for is his confrontational uh, and controversial style. Mm-hmm. Which I think is relevant to the normal heart as well. No, honestly, yeah. Uh, and his one of his big novels with an equally confrontational title uh, is Faggots. And so... I mean, you're not wrong about confrontational. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote that back in 78. Oof. So... He was angry. <laughs> That's all I heard. Um... He, of course, was there for the witness of the, the spreading of AIDS... And he saw it decimate friends of his and even partners of his. And so he went and he wrote um, he wrote the play. And it ended up getting adapted um, a few times. Um, and there is... It's not exactly a biography. It's a pseudo-biography. Um, you know, names and, and some details have been changed. Yes. Uh, and so it's, it's not exactly a one-to-one biography. Um, the first production of the play was back in 85, April of 25, and it was off-Broadway for a, a protracted period of time. Um, it also traveled around to Europe in the 80s, um... And then it had its big Broadway revival in 2011, which is also what led to it then getting this movie. Ryan Murphy's career was really taking off. Glee was really getting big. It had its revival in 2011. He went and saw it, swooped up, got the uh, rights to it, and adapted it to HBO. I love that Ryan Murphy will never outlive um, his association with Glee. Never. Not in this house. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Ryan. I still remember Nip Tuck too. Oh God, I don't. I never watched the first one. Uh, and so, that's some of the the sort of overview of it. Um, as far as some of the other people, you know, you can go and look up who some of the supposed people were involved with it. It's a really interesting little little pocket of history to go down. Um. And he ended up also winning um, multiple awards for it as well. Um, But the Normal Heart movie, like I said, was adapted in 2014. Uh, It's directed by Ryan Murphy. It is written by uh, Larry Kramer and, you know, a few edits for television by Ryan Murphy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It stars Mark Ruffalo as Ned Weeks, who is our stand-in for... Larry Kramer, uh, Jonathan Groff, Taylor Kitsch, uh, B.D. Wong, Julia Roberts, Jim Parsons, Alfred Molina, Matt Bomer, uh, and the premise is a gay activist attempts to raise HIV and AIDS awareness during the early 1980s. Oh my gosh, that is the 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 barest sentence <laughs> I have ever seen describing any movie. Sparse. Honestly, that doesn't even begin to describe this movie in in any way shape or form. Um 
I mean, I, I guess I'll I'll go first. Yeah, go for it. You're already <laughs> on a roll. Um, You've started now. I I absolutely adore this movie. I'm I'm just gonna throw that right out there. Wow. Number number nice, one. Big strong start. Okay. Um, I think that this movie is 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 just is so heartfelt and is is heartbreaking. And I think that as somebody who, you know, grew up in the world where AIDS, HIV AIDS existed, but not really knowing the depth of it. I did, I never knew anyone personally who was affected by the disease, um, or, you know, had the disease even. Um, and so for, for me, this was, this was, this was an eye-opening experience of truly what it was like you know, this is written right in the heart of it, right in the the heat of the action. This man is is upset, and you can tell, you know, in in this, um, with the, literally the our main character being a very confrontational individual. Not not even, I guess, even like on purpose. I think that it's just like his. He's just his, abrasive. Yeah, his just default setting is mad. He's just an abrasive person, and sometimes I think he can also just. Um be a little bit too smart for his own good in a conversation. No, yeah, he doesn't know when to shut up. Um, but I think that that's just it's it, it these these are real people and and it's just it's it's amazing to watch, you know, kind of like the the beginning story because like we we've lived our entire lives with with this being here and like maybe you haven't lived your entire life with it, but like now it's 41 years old, guys. Like if you're over 41, like by how much? Come on. I know nobody in their 80s is listening to this right now. Um so like we've all lived pretty much our entire lives living with this being a fact and it is it is truly fascinating to go back to the beginnings of it and see what it was like in, on in in ground zero for lack of a better words. Yeah, you know? I mean San Francisco was a hotbed for yes. this because also San Francisco especially contextually at that time was a hotbed for the gay community. Yeah, it was it, this was a time in in it, it was gay liberation happening everywhere you know there's sexual liberation happening it's 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 being proud of yourself being proud of being proud of your community you know loving yourself loving your community and being loved by your community and you know it's it, and i think that that's also what this movie you know really hits on as well as like this this fight they've you know this this community has fought for so long for respect for for being able to openly love another individual you know with the same rights as as a hetero couple and then this this pandemic this epidemic happens and it completely shatters that and it completely it puts a target on a community and you really feel that here and i just it was it was it was breathtaking and and of course i i love the the movie that's based on a play <laughs> but the the writing is phenomenal and the acting is great i think that mark ruffalo does a, a does a tremendous job in this i never once think that any of our our straight cast is anything but authentic in this i nobody is putting on any kind of personas or anything like that. It's it's just it's truly um just just an amazing piece of of art and honestly like I would I would love to <laughs> I would love to read more of Larry Kramer's works. I like if this is what you know, I can get on screen like obviously there's so many other things that I think that should be totally adapted because, you know, this man made his career being upset 
the up at the way that the world was going and in a in a way that it's hard to truly make like really good art like this you can scream into the void all day long but I think that like once you really put it down on paper and can really just like map up how you feel in in such an authentic way that even somebody who's never experienced what you're experiencing can can empathize with your situation so so instinctly and this is just ah I, I have to stop talking <laughs> um I think I think first I want to go and, and address your your most recent point of of screaming as a and you know anger and frustration and the confrontational tone of of Ned. I think the confrontational nature of Ned and how Larry Kramer really put so much self into the Ned Weeks character is also very similar on a lot of levels to Patty Chayefsky and um, Network. Yes. And the central, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yes. And being just abrasive and being upfront about it and being done with sugarcoating yeah, whatever the, the opinion are gone. is. What the fuck are we talking about anymore? Look around you. No, yeah. The only... Why aren't you bleeding from your eyes in anger? <laughs> yes, you know, honestly. And I think that that's probably why I also really liked this movie as well. Because, like, I have definitely... Had those moments of looking around and wondering why isn't anyone... Doing anything. Shaking with anger. Exactly. You know, just being so mad about how the, the world is, is, is forming around you. You know, how history is unfolding as you as you watch it. And uh, this this is exactly, like, you know, if, if I could write, this would be an avenue that I would go down. This This type of of storytelling this i th i thought that this was an entirely effective well and um i think i think also it's i think ryan murphy was very good in in letting all of that speak for itself in yeah. not tampering with it and i think that he realized also that there was still salience and relevance to those words now they didn't need to be spruced up for now. No. They still held for now. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to go back to was an earlier point that you made about sexual liberation and gay liberation and things like that. And I think that a really interesting avenue that this movie and, you know, the, the, the play take is that uh, in explaining... Because it's always there, but I think it's interesting that the movie took the time to explain it, is that why are we going to go and stop doing this if we go and stop being openly affectionate in any kind of direction with each other? Then we are going back in the closet, and going back in the closet was a political act. And therefore, my expression of self is a political act because I have been so repressed for so long mm -hmm. that now I am going to maybe even flaunt it a little in response because you know what? I can. And I shouldn't have to not anymore. Exactly. And I think that it hits on that idea and explains how repressing it as a political act, you know, you, you'll you'll hear this sort of argument of like, well, do they have to put it out there so much? Do they have to make it so political? 
mm. well hiding it away and repressing it is a political stance yeah it's and just I the stance that, that you prefer really, yeah and i think that they really hit on some of those ideas and and really execute on explaining them in a way that feels like a relevant conversation for the community that it's about but also explains it to the audience that doesn't know that discussion. Does that yeah. make sense? No, yeah. I think that this movie is very humanizing. And, and I think that that's, that's really important that this is something written by, you know, um, written by a gay man, directed by a gay man. You know, I think this was really important to, to strip away the, the hetero stereotypes that, that have been put upon the gay community and just wash all of that away and watch people who who love each other fight for something that they believe in and i fight think for that, their lives yes fight for their community fight for their lives fight for their friends you know fight for fight for this right now because this is the most important thing you know and i think that i loved the the alfred molina character um i love alfred molina such a great actor who brought a lot of humanity to a character that could have been an unlikable cunt exactly exactly sorry about using the c word if that's not a, a word that you vibe with <laughs> 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 um, but, but, but yes, yes, and entirely, and, um, and I guess, you know, not to give too much away, because, like, I just, I want people to watch it, you know, and I know that this movie is not for everybody, um, I, I know that entirely, but if you are up for it, and you're, you're willing to watch something that is, that is, you know, Titanic levels of making me cry at a movie, um, this is it. I, I highly recommend this movie. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really phenomenal movie. But I think that Alfred Molina, because, you know, you always have to have antagonists within a story. And um, Ned Weeks' brother, played by Alfred Molina, loves his brother, but will never truly accept the fact that he is gay. And for him being gay, he feels that he is, you know, beneath him in in some regards and is put upon in some way exactly you know it's always oh ned's asking me for help again i have to i help to help my, it's my another one of ned's causes yeah exactly i have to help my enabled brother mm -hmm. you know like oh he can't take care of himself well, what are you pissed about this time you know exactly um but i love him i love him um and you know just just watching you know the light bulb finally go off in this man's brain and it just it it was beautiful. It was a wonderful moment. And I, oh gosh, everybody is, is absolutely phenomenal. And I cannot, I cannot, um, I, I love, uh, Mark Ruffalo. I love everything that Mark Ruffalo does. I was outstanding. Like, I, I, standing ovation. Yeah. For this performance. Um, this is, this is definitely, I think, one of Mark Ruffalo's best. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a best for a lot of people involved. Taylor oh, Kitsch, it's a best for him. I love um, um, Jim Parsons in this. Uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. I think that this is one of my favorite Jim Parsons I've ever seen. This is probably my absolute favorite Jim Parsons. I think that this, it goes like this one for me, and then um, Hidden Figures Jim Parsons, because I don't have a lot of Jim Parsons in my brain right now. It's And, and then after that, I guess I will put Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it's... I guess. You know, um, I don't have a third thing. This otherwise. is also one of my favorite Julia Roberts performances in five ever. Oh my gosh. Hot yes. Damn. Literally. Okay. So let's, I guess let's talk about Julia for a second. Um, as yeah, literally, we haven't. <laughs> oh, we haven't. And she deserves it. No. Um, as literally our only like female in this entire cast, She's other than the receptionist. Down. 
She's pulling down that Aaron Brockovich shit again. Like, she's really doing good work here. No, yeah, she, it's, it's truly great, honestly. She does a phenomenal job playing the doctor. Um, that scene where she's just, like, throws her papers on the floor in, like, frustration with the system. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes! <laughs> I absolutely, like, I loved it. Mmm, so good. No, I, I thought that she did an absolutely tremendous job. Literally one of my favorite roles of hers in a long time. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry that it has taken me so long to see this one. Um, It was one that I wanted to see when it came out, but it's just one of those that when is the good time, especially like back in 2014, I would have either been here with my parents during my college years or in Greensboro in my college years-ish, mm -hmm. somewhere in that nebulous time period. And so, like, no one in your college years wants to really sit down and watch ah! the HIV-AIDS movie. And, no. like, coming back home for the weekend during your college years, it's like, all right, we've only got you for, like, two nights. What do we want to watch? This movie... So it was just one of those that I never really got, like, the, never found, never, never gave myself the, the opportunity to, to really sit down and watch it. And, um, I, I am very glad that I now have. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think that this is rightfully, um, I, I'm, I'm really glad that we, we picked this movie, um, a lot. Not saying that, you know, Philadelphia wasn't going to be phenomenal, but, like, we both got to watch a movie for the first time. Yeah. Which is very rare for us, if, if you don't know that, dear listener. Um, I'm, I'm married to the, the thesaurus of movies, so um, he's seen almost all of them, and it's every once in a while we get to watch something for the first time together, which is very exciting. Um, sorry that it, I guess, had to be the, the AIDS movie, but um, I'm not, I don't regret it. Actually, pretty much this entire month was... Was newbies for you? Yeah. Hey, huzzah! Yeah. Nice. Expanding the palette. Um, but I just... Also, like, just getting to see actors that I have seen before do things um, out of the ordinary for themselves or um, actors that I haven't seen getting to get to recognized and get a platform to do something interesting. You know me. I always love any... any movie that like as an actor I would want to to either make or be a part of in any way shape or form and this is definitely one of those things where it's like sign me up I would love to be a part of this in any way I can obviously like I can't be any part of the main cast but you know wanna wanna help in any way I can like this is this is a good movie that needed you know this, I'll stage this... manage. Exactly. I'll I'll do it. Give me my Bible. I'm ready. <laughs> Give me my Bible and my all blacks. <laughs> That's right. Um Oh gosh, no. <laughs> BD Wong. Surprise BD Wong in this movie. I love BD Wong. Honestly, yes. And it's nice to see him outside of uh, outside of the, the park. The Jurassic Fiasco. Uh -huh. <laughs> the Jurassic Fiasco. Oh god. The 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 last one looks atrocious, but um that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I guess, uh, I'm sure that this will be a silly question to the listener about what you're going to rate it. <laughs> um, but dear, if you had to rate the normal heart out of five, 
Oh gosh, you know, um, I'm thinking maybe a one star. I'm I kid, I kid. Obviously, I couldn't even say that seriously or funnily. Um, <laughs> all, all the way, I'm I'm five, five yeah. out of five out of five. Um, ten out of ten would recommend. Um, this movie is is exactly the kind of art that I'm totally here for, and I want more things like it. Maybe not always about the AIDS epidemic, but you know, if 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 this is what it takes to get good art, then I'll watch it. Huh. Um, I'll go. I'll go four and a half. Okay. I mean, I'm right, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's pretty much all that we have for that. I. I was going to, the only thing that we've watched that hasn't been stuff for this month, actually, has been Top Gun Maverick. Um, and oh my so, gosh, we didn't write that one on the list. I need to put that Top on Top Gun our... Maverick is, um, shit your pants, hold on to your balls if you have them, uh, madness. It's it's great. You want to see some some planes do some some stuff you've never seen planes before, do before 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 it's knocked out of IMAX. Oh, it's it's already knocked out of IMAX theaters. It's too late by the time of this recording. Well, if you were lucky enough to go and see it in IMAX, it was incredible. If you didn't, shame. Well, but still go see it. Go and see it in theaters anyway. And See it in as big of a theater as you can see it in. Honestly, yes. It's just it's just going to pay off for you in the end. I um, like it more than the first one. I really do. Yeah, and like... So, um... Recently, I am a, I'm a recent watcher of the, of the new one... Of the, of the old one. In preparation for this new one. And I'll have to say, I think that... Um, I think that this is a, a great, like, rehash of the story, you it's know. It's a great sequel. Yeah, it's really doing a good job of a sequel. And we've there's some pretty crappy sequels out there that are, like, copy and paste, copy and paste. I think that this was, like, you know, the, the, the meme where it's, like, can I copy your homework? And you're, like, yeah, just don't make it look, you know, like it anymore. I think that this copied enough of the original for me to go, no, this is an original thing, you know. I see the essence of the original, but, like, I'm also enjoying this movie, and I don't necessarily need the original, no, really, yeah. um, to get the, the impact of this movie. But I think that the, the plain stuff is probably, not gonna lie, the, the most kick-ass of the whole thing. I, I and mean... it's gonna age really well. Yeah, because it's all real. Oh, it's so exciting. And the stuff that isn't still looks phenomenal. Oh my gosh. They So, if you don't know, they had the... They were in real planes. Yeah, because they're, they're old generation. Mm -hmm. the, the, the beneficial sort of element of the script device of using the older F-18s is that you can also then go and use decommissioned planes. Mm-hmm for the filming yeah and so they're really flying around up there um obviously not the actors are flying but they're in the planes being flown around like with with g-forces and whatnot you know and it just looks phenomenal yeah. oh gosh it's Fantastic. really it's really tremendous stuff and if you I, like an action movie you're gonna like this action movie you're gonna then, like it a lot and then we watched about 30 minutes of of obi-wan which was the absolute opposite 
of of the experience yeah we um, watched that literally right before um this recording if, and uh, we stopped and said yeah we can stop if i don't i don't, I don't mean to be i guess too crass with this um if if top gun maverick is a full-on you know visual what a movie or what a show can be boner pill then then obi-wan was an absolute opposite it was an anti-boner pill it was it was unviagra it was <laughs> it was unviagra <laughs> I think you were borderline crass for a little bit there, but that Viagra joke really had me. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it was. Mm. I I I could tear this whole thing apart in a whole separate episode. Yeah, um, it's just don't watch it. That's uh, that's just the big takeaway. Don't I, bother. I mean, if you're if you're totally here for if you like Mandalorian season two, then I this is for this. you. If you didn't, don't bother. This is not the last Jedi. Nope. Uh, and it what's so this this will be the last thing that I say. Every time that the show is doing something interesting, it seems like it could also be a moment that isn't at all related to any of the characters that we know. It could be anybody. And, like, the opening scene could have led to a show that had nothing to do with Obi-Wan. Yeah. I was more interested in that storyline of those kid Jedis. And so I think that, again, the thing that is always so frustrating for me with modern Star Wars is they never follow the ideas that are actually interesting. After watching 30 minutes, I think um, the black chick who's who's a part of the Empire was a part of that trio, the, those kids. Of course. And our, and, our, and our Jedi that was running away was also a part of those kids. Yeah. And um, uh, the rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah, and, right. and and honestly, if I'm correct, after only watching 30 minutes of that show, you are that mm, because it's written by Dave Filoni, and he used to write cartoons about Star Wars that were for children. Well, then, and this is the so, same level of logic as I mean, the tropes are there; they're they're there in the in the paint, man. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it's not going to be like a big media news heavy week. That was pretty much all that we had for y'all. Um. Like I said, if you haven't checked out last week's episode definitely go back and check it out yeah 1919 guys mm -hmm. i was i'm honestly still shocked at the fact that you know anything about homosexuality was was being talked about in the 20s like that's amazing uh, and it's it's really fantastic stuff check out the normal heart check out philadelphia check out rent um woo shout out to rent <laughs> And, uh, you know, send us any questions that you have. Go and figure out your own way to celebrate Pride. Uh, if you want to go and figure out ways to uh, celebrate Pride with a weird little facet of, of history, you know. There are all sorts of surprising ways that you can celebrate Pride however you would like to. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that I have. As always, of course, follow us. Twitter, the Film Buds podcast, Instagram, or Twitter, the Film Buds, uh, Instagram, the Film Buds podcast, at the Film Buds podcast, gmail.com. Um, you know, send us questions, comments, 
concerns. Funny stories. Anecdotal things. Tell us, you know, how, how your day's been. Send me a knock-knock joke by email. <laughs> Not all at once. We'll do the full back and forth. In email correspondence. Oh gosh, is that what the early the early internet was like? Yeah, mm, amazing. You'll send me knock knock. I'll respond. Who's there? And we'll do the whole thing. Fantastic. It'll be a great time. Fantastic instant messaging. <laughs> we'll crack out the old AOL. Um, <laughs> we'll be here all day. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much all that I have for y'all, dear. Do you have anything that you would like to to say to the dear listeners? Um. I, I I mean, I totally second, you know, do do pride however you want to do, you know, say it loud, say it proud, you know. If you can't say it loud and say it proud, if you just get to say it to yourself in a mirror, do it. Yeah, but do it for you, mm-hmm. you know, don't do it for anybody else, because once you start doing things for other people, then you're going to lose bits of yourself. Love yourself first. And that's always important. So that's that's what I've got, and honestly, like, this is this is gonna be a really good month. Um, yeah, it's a month about love, and I really enjoy that. Hmm. Um. But that's all that we have for you guys. As always, of course, thank you for listening. Please make sure to come back next week. We're going in a completely different direction, uh, and it's gonna be a total blast. This oh! week, very serious. Next week, a lot of fun. I promise. And with just as many A-listers. So come yeah. back and and enjoy. Uh, but thanks as always, guys, for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.